So good morning, everyone. Hopefully you've had some reasonable rest. Sometimes a bit of a transition to a, a new bed and different conditions. And if we can just include that in in the field of our of our practice. A really beautiful aspect of our practice is that everything is included. Nothing is actually outside of our practice, of our exploration of this human experience of being alive. So this morning... I'll offer some, I think it says on the schedule instructions, never never quite comfortable with that word, but I uh, haven't found a better one, kind of instructions slash suggestions, <coughs> guidelines, invitations for practice. And if we can really make it a a kind of an inner invitation to listen in that way, that this is an invitation to listen with openness, with receptivity, and then to explore for yourself how these guidelines for practice or the particular practices that we'll be offering, how does that actually um, unfold in my own experience? How does that actually meet my own experience? So it's a real, real kind of um, balance around openness, receptivity, and then uh, kind of chewing on things ourselves, exploring them for our oneself. With maybe a, a kind of a twofold approach one is really about receptivity and openness and trying things out um, and at the same time with that digesting for yourself chewing for yourself uh, a cultivation of a more sensitivity to our own inner authority yeah? so listening to um, what works for me you know how does this work for me in my practice be really, really useful. So for us, when we, when we, and I say this for both of us, when we offer these guidelines, you know, we're really offering them because they've been useful for us, and um, encouraging you to try them out, but not with a sense of on this retreat, this is the only thing you're going to do. Yeah, but really, kind of listening to yourself also and your own experience and your own self-knowledge. And if there's anything you're not sure about, you know, you can come and check it out with us. You know, either leave us a note with a question or bring it up in a, in a group interview or if needed in a one-to-one.
and a helpful way of doing this exploration, of doing this digestion, of kind of chewing on the practice ourselves is um, what we call the two P's. Uh, it's actually not our terminology. Um, it comes from Robert Bayer. Some of you may be familiar with him. Uh, he's a long, long-term resident teacher here at Guy House. And the two P's are patience and playfulness. Okay, so this really helps us in this exploration of the practice. Having patience, understanding that um, it takes us time as human beings to really feel into things, explore things, get a sense of things. And it, patience is actually a real support for us in the practice and it's also something that we're cultivating as we're practicing. And together with the patience, it's not a dull patience or a disengaged patience, it comes with the playfulness, so with the creativity, with the capacity to attend to our practice, attend to our experience and try things out to see what works. I'd like to just touch on a few key concepts that um, we use and they're words that you would have heard many, many times Um, but just to kind of touch on them and clarify a little bit what we mean when we use them that can be quite helpful so the first one is awareness awareness that capacity that we have to know experience yeah, the capacity to know right now, you know, we are aware of certain things. Right? We're aware of, you know, you're aware of the sound of my voice, you're aware of the, maybe the temperature on the skin. You may be aware of your, you know, different body states that are there or body experiences. So that capacity to know our experience, which is always there. It's always there. We're always knowing, always aware of something. And we're aware of whatever is in our attention. Okay? So we can play with it also, you know, like peripheral awareness, being aware of a wider range of stimuli. And then the attention is, you know, brings the awareness to something more specific. So again, for example, right now, it's probably primarily um, the sound of my voice and the content of what I'm saying. Uh, at least, you know, you're doing your best to be aware of, to bring attention to. So that's, the, that's kind of the relationship between um, those two. So we're... Um, guiding awareness through directing the attention directing attention to the body directing the attention to the breath whatever we're doing we're guiding the awareness by directing the attention to to somewhere somewhere specific and then the third so we have awareness, we have attention and then we have mindfulness there's quite a few mindfulness teachers and teachers in training in the hall and many, many mindfulness practitioners so we, you know, a lot of us are familiar with that word with the way we're using it mindfulness being um, the capacity
capacity to be with an object of attention. Okay, so I'm mindful of the body. We'll explore more what that means. I'm mindful of the body, mindful of mind states, mindful of my changing experience. We can be mindful of different things, yeah, but that's the object of our attention, it's what we're bringing the attention to. And along with mindfulness or within mindfulness, there's two other um, factors of mind that it can be helpful to highlight. Yeah, that go along with the mindfulness, work with the mindfulness. Alertness, yeah, the alertness, the wakefulness, and ardency. Ardency is such a beautiful word, but we don't use it much. But I think it's one of those words that we can kind of feel that, feel, feel it in, as we say it, ardency. We can feel the uh, flavor of it. So, I will. I'll explain. It's an unusual word. Yeah, I'll explain what I mean by both of those. But um, maybe I'll just say now, you know, say ardent is, is a bit like um, the spectrum between really it being really interested in something and even being passionate about it. Yeah, like kind of like oh, really engaged yeah, with it. But yeah, what's coming up for me now is I'm really passionate about something, very interested in it. So as we are, you know, a lot of our practice is remembering. Yeah, we're remembering to pay attention to the object of, of our practice. Right? That's what we do. And um, the alertness is that capacity to notice when we've moved away. Yeah? So we're alert we're awake to the attention being with the object of mindfulness or away from. So that's the alertness. And the ardency in this this context is kind of a passionate playfulness of, okay, how do I bring my attention back? How do I kind of maintain a relationship of interest with the practice? with the object of meditation, with a mindful attention. Yeah. How do I do that? And, you know, I really want to emphasize this, yeah, because it feels to me that sometimes what gets in the way for us is that we just feel, okay, <coughs> object of meditation, breath, pay attention, come back, and it becomes quite dry. Yeah. Or mechanical, and it's actually that juice of the ardency of the passionate interest and of that intention towards alertness that can both make the practice more enjoyable, yeah, the actual engagement more in- enjoyable and more present for us here and now, right now. It's not about getting to the mind that does not get distracted rather engaging with the mind in all its fluctuations in a way that has passion, has playfulness, has creativity in it.
So why do we do that? Why do we even, um, you know, begin with this intention of bringing attention to an object of mindfulness and staying with it or coming back to it? You know, why even do that? You know, I've just spoken about it as if it's like obvious. But as we know, all of us here in the hall, we're in a minority. This is not what the majority of humanity is engaged in. So why do it? What what is the purpose of paying attention to the breath, of paying attention to the body, and coming back to that? So what it allows for us as we do that, as we cultivate the capacity to bring attention to the object and to keep coming back to that and to stay with it longer and longer, the mind settles. Our mind settles slowly over time and not in a linear way, really important to say. So we have a very quiet sitting and the next one might be complete chaos. Doesn't mean that we're doing something wrong. Just the nature of the mind and of the process. So why do that? So over time the mind settles and we can see more clearly what is going on in our experience. Now more clearly, more fully. And the image I always use um, is of these um, souvenirs that you get, tourist souvenirs, uh, the plastic kind of globe shape with an Eiffel Tower or Big Ben or um, yeah, all of those I don't know what they do in New York these days um, in the middle and when you shake that glow there's these artificial snowflakes you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. and they obscure, they cover, they hide what is there? and that's our mind it's like our mind is almost constantly being stimulated and shaken and then there's all this kind of static stuff in there and as we bring mindfulness we bring the alertness the ardency the ongoing capacity to just keep coming back to the object of mindfulness that settles and we can see more clearly what is actually here both right now in the moment and also over time understanding how this mind operates how it gets triggered, what pulls it. And that seeing, yeah, that seeing, that settling, which brings a clearer seeing, opens up a much wider capacity to respond. Because yeah, when we don't see, yeah, when we're in that kind of being shaken up by life, by our reactivity, and we're just <coughs> reacting. We're, we're kind of almost acting out of um, automatic pilot through our habits, through our patterns. When we do see, when we do learn, when we do deepen our understanding, that increases our capacity to respond in ways that are wise and kind and helpful and kind of aligned with our intention. Does that make sense to people? And that in turn, you know, and we respond and we see what that brings, yeah, that settles the mind even more, yeah, that settles the mind even more, that opens up the possibility of response even more for us. So it's an ongoing process, it has no end, yeah, keep deepening, keep deepening in understanding.
So we'll primarily be using the breath and the body as the object of, of our meditation. And we'll be, we already started doing it, and I'll probably continue with that. We'll be using breath a lot, but I just want to say that um, the breath is a very useful object for many people, but not for everybody. So don't fight it. If you already know, if you find that for some reason for you the breath is not calming, yeah, or it's not very accessible, um, there's other ways of practicing. Yeah, there's body awareness, different ways of body awareness <coughs> that you can use. Um, so just, I will weave that in to the to the suggestions this morning, uh, but I really want to say it very clearly. I'll be speaking about breath, but you can always put in body if that's a more useful object of, of meditation for you. So there are different ways that we can work with breath or body as, as the object of our meditation. And I just want to wanna go into them a little bit. It's a distinction that um, I find really, really helpful. So primarily, as I said, we're working with breath or body as an object of mindfulness. Yeah, so basically, uh, making the intention, there's three steps. We make the intention to bring the attention to the object, whether it's breath or body. The second step is that we act on the intention. Yeah, we bring the attention to the breath or the body in whatever way um, you, you do that. Yeah, it can be quite subtly different for different people. And then the third part of this sequence is we notice when the attention is moved away from the breath or the body. Yeah, this is, it's not that's when we're getting it wrong. That's part of the process of mindfulness. It, it, you know, I can't stress this enough. You know, I've been meditating more than 20 years and still a great amount of the time, you know, a huge percentage of the time when my mind wanders, there's a sense that I'm doing something wrong. Yeah. So I may be, you know, the most terrible meditator in human history, um, but this is a common experience yeah, for most of us. So I can't emphasize this enough, and this is a big part of what we're trying to shift in our approach and our attitude. So that is part of the practice. We notice that the mind has moved away from the breath or the body. We acknowledge it. You know, we acknowledge it. Ah, you know, thinking, body sensation, whatever that, whatever has been pulling away, tiredness. And then we come back to the intention and we bring the attention back to the object. That's part, a really key part of the process of our, of our meditation practice. So there's three steps. <coughs> really, really key. So we're not trying to suppress, yeah, suppress thinking, suppress the human experience. But actually we're gathering the mind onto the object of meditation. We're gathering the mind, collecting the mind on the breath or on the body, whatever we're using. If we can sometimes start seeing that a little bit differently, yeah, rather than kind of clearing the mind, we're collecting the mind. Collecting, we're gathering the mind. 
So the breath is object of mindfulness. That's one way that we that we use the breath or the body in our meditation practice. Um, a second way is coming more deeply into our body. Yeah, coming more deeply into our body as uh, humans of the 21st century. Most of us are quite disconnected from the body. So we use the practice as a way of engaging with the body, inhabiting the body, embodying our experience. And the breath can do it, body awareness can really help with that. A third kind of thread of the practice is that we're opening to the breath or the body experience, not just as a physical sensation, yeah, not just as a physical sensation, but we use the word as an, an energy. And if we use the breath, I think we can really, um, hopefully this can really make sense. So typically um, we think of the breath, we feel the breath just with the sensations of it in the body. Right, the rising and falling of the abdomen or the feeling in the nostrils when the air comes in and out. Those are common ways of practicing with the breath. But we can relate to the breath as this life energy that is coming in and actually spreading out through the whole body. Right? It's not limited to those physical sensations. We, can't ju- we just don't feel the breath as it spreads as oxygen through the bloodstream. Right? That's not a physical sensation that we have. But we can connect to it in a kind of um, more energetic level. And the last way that we can relate to the breath through our practice is as a resource. Nathan was touching on it last night. So the breath as a resource, a way of, of calming or resourcing, um, increasing our well-being. That we can um, relate to, we can connect to without being reliant, without uh, being dependent on external conditions. So it doesn't matter what is happening around me or within me, I can use the breath, I can relate to the breath as a resource, as something that can support calm and well-being in the system. So four ways, and if you don't remember them, it's fine. It's actually to be expected. I'd be surprised if anyone can remember. Object of mindfulness, a way of coming into the body, breath as energy, not just physical sensations, and a resource for us. Four ways that we can use the breath, or that we are actually using the breath or the body sensations um, in in our practice. And in order to do this, the practice that we'll be uh, primarily engaging in today is relating to the breath or playing with the breath as a pleasant happening. So we call it the pleasant breath. And yeah, this may be a little bit different to a lot of mindfulness practices that that many people are used to. It comes from one of the Thai forest traditions, one of the Thai forest lineages. So the breath can be pleasurable. 
And that's a big insight for us. Yeah, we can breathe in a way that brings more sense of ease, more sense of well-being, more sense of calm. Most of us, yeah, again, not necessarily everyone, and don't make it an area of struggle. It's fine if that's not the case for you. And in the suttas, um, this is a very, very famous sutta, mindfulness of breathing. Um, the Buddha describes this or describes a practice this is one of the interpretations of the sutta and he says this is a translation by Tanisaro Bhikkhu uh, with a gender, gender change by us um, so he, he says breathing in long the practitioner discerns I am breathing in long breathing out long she discerns I am breathing out long Breathing in short, she discerns, I am breathing in short. Or breathing out short, she discerns, I am breathing out short. She trains herself, I will breathe in sensitive to the entire body. She trains herself, I will breathe out sensitive to the entire body. She trains herself, I will breathe in calming bodily fabrication. And she trains herself, I will breathe out, calming bodily fabrication. So, as the sutta describes, we, for most of us, and this will be the guidance today, we, um, it's helpful to use a slightly longer breath as the pleasant breath. For most of us, this, this will be uh, what works, a slightly longer breath. Um, really important to say, it's not... Um, the long breath or the pleasant breath is not, some of you may be familiar with yoga <coughs> techniques of breathing, um, where you really create a certain breathing pattern. It's not that. Yeah. So we're not kind of manipulating the breath to be a certain way, but we are inviting it to be deeper, to be longer, and we're playing, this is where the playfulness comes in. We're playing with that and to see how that comes into play, how that comes into being in our own experience. And those last two lines, <clears throat> breathing in, calming bodily fabrication, and breathing out, calming bodily fabrication. So fabrication is, is probably a word that we will be uh, touching on a fair amount, um, Pali Sankara. Um, very, very key <coughs> aspect of the, of the Buddhist teachings, of Dharma teachings. And it basically, one of the easiest ways to understand it um, is the way things come together and are perceived by us as having an independent and solid nature. Yeah. And this is something we really see in relation to our bodies. So if we have um, an experience of some physical dis-ease, <coughs> discomfort <coughs> in the body, you know, has it happened to you yet while you've been sitting? <laughs> Very common experience when we're practicing. Yeah. So there may be a, some physical discomfort. Yeah, it can be a pain we know, it can be just something very mild. Yeah, or very um, transient, so it just <coughs> appears, just suddenly appeared. A tickle, an itch, an old pain, a knee pain. 
Um, and our tendency is to see that as permanent and as solid and <coughs> as not dependent on anything else, yeah, independent. And yet what the teachings are pointing to is we see it that way, but is that actually the way it is? Is that actually the way it is? Or is something, you know, like a physical sensation, a physical discomfort, actually much (coughs) less clear-cut and independent than we take it to be? And, you know, the great example of that is, um, you know, we have this great discomfort while we're sitting and we can't wait for the bell to ring. The bell rings. We haven't moved yet. The discomfort is not so bad as it was before the bell rang. If you haven't had this experience yet, just pay attention. Yeah? Just pay attention. So that the sensation, the bodily experience, you say, no, that's physical. That's the body. That's the way it is. Is also dependent on the state of the mind. And the difference between, I can't, you know, I've got to sit still until the bell rings and I, you know, I can't move and this pain is really horrible, to the bells rang and now I'm free to move when I want. What happens when the bell rings? Release of tension and of contraction in the being. That changes the physical experience. Sometimes the pain will be different and sometimes the pain will be the same. But there's something in the way we're relating to the pain that has changed. Yeah. So this is, does this make sense to people? This is fabrication. It's one <coughs> way of seeing fabrication. The way anything, anything, anything and everything is made up of different things. Made up not as imagined. Yeah, when I say made up, I'm not, I don't mean imagined or fantasized but it's made up of different components. And it's not independent. It doesn't exist, sometimes the language does not exist from its own side. This is fabrication and emptiness, which I kind of thought we wouldn't mention today, but here you go. So with with this practice, we can use the breath, we can use the body, to calm bodily <coughs> fabrications, you know, calm bodily <coughs> fabrications, which is both um, actually sometimes change the actual experience and sometimes change the relationship to the experience, which brings a calm and a spaciousness into our experience. So this is a reminder, <coughs> as a reminder for us that Everything in our experience is conditioned and dependent on other things. So whatever is happening, whatever is happening, kind of opens us up to the bigger picture. Yeah, we're affected by the weather, sometimes in unexpected ways. Yeah. Affected by the weather, affected by what we eat affected by how well we slept last night. We're affected by various things, affected by people sitting around us, 
with us. I'd like to guide a, a practice now um, of this long breath or pleasant breath, whichever, whichever you, you want to you know, label it in your head as you like. And if you um, will have about 20 minutes of practice, if you want to, if you, if you feel like you, it would be helpful for you to stand or stretch any part of the body and then come into your posture then feel free to do that I've been sitting for about half an hour so we can just see what the body needs and really seeing how doing that is that this is already part of the practice listening to the body bringing the awareness to the body attending to the body And settling into your posture. (coughs) And again, with a thread of interest and kindness as you do that. Taking time as you settle into the posture to feel into the body. We're already bringing the awareness in the body with the attention. We're exploring with our attention a sense of steadiness and stability and balance in the posture of the body. So noticing, does the body feel supported? Does it feel balanced? Particularly, is the back supported? And is there a sense of balance in the back of the body between the uprightness of the posture? with enough ease and relaxation. be helpful to ground the attention in the body a little bit more. You can do that through bringing the attention to the contact of the body with the seat and the body with the ground. 
using the sensations in these contact areas. There's a way of rooting and grounding the attention lower down in the body. So we're rooted in the contact areas of body and seat, body and ground. And there we can feel the body rising up. Balancing the uprightness and the relaxation in the upper body. Letting the shoulders relax and drop back. And the neck and the head rise up towards the sky. <coughs> Relaxed, <coughs> upright, alert. And from there, gently expanding the awareness through the whole body. So we're rooted in the contact areas and we're opening out to feel the field of the body, field of awareness in the body. For some of us it's helpful to get a feeling of the body being surrounded and filled with awareness. We're sitting in a bubble of awareness of this sensitivity. And within this wide body awareness, can open to the experience of the breathing. The breath flowing in and out of the body, through the body. And as you rest the attention with this flow of breathing, this movement of breathing within the body space, so the quality of attention is quite light. Gently inviting the breath to be a little bit longer seeing what that means to you in your experience 
inviting the breathing to be a little bit longer or a little bit deeper. Another way of seeing this is we're welcoming the breath more fully into the body, welcoming it to be long. As we do this, as we invite the breath to be a little bit longer, or a lot longer, whatever works for you, just connecting to that feeling of the breath going deeper and more fully into the body, through the body. And on the outflow, particularly tuning in to the feeling of the releasing and the letting go of the out-breath from the whole body. Whole body releasing, letting go. Noticing any ease that comes with that. Breathing in the breath, filling up the body space. Energy of the breathing, spreading out or going deep or both. Out breath, the release and the letting go. Exploring this a little bit for yourself and if it's not immediately intuitive, that's fine. Just play with it a little bit. Emphasizing the relaxation and the experimentation. Noticing also if there's any aspect of this way of breathing that feels pleasant to some degree. And tuning in to that aspect, to the pleasantness.
body awareness grounded and wide welcoming the breath to be a little bit longer, deeper feeling how the energy of the breath fills up the body as you breathe in and then letting go and the release in the out breath any pleasantness tune into that with openness, receptivity If the mind gets distracted in any way, moves away from the body or the breathing, gently acknowledging that. And then gently reconnecting with the breathing, bringing the attention back to the breathing or the body, as much gentleness as you can. Just the movement of the mind. Seeing if you can connect to any sense of well-being, okayness, pleasantness in the breathing or the body field as you bring the mind back.
inviting the breathing to be a little bit longer, deeper, pleasanter. Seeing what unfolds. You'll notice that the body has a habitual way of breathing and it'll go back to that. Whenever you notice that, just noticing what does this feel like? And what happens if I re-engage with the breathing, inviting it to be deeper, longer, more pleasant? Just exploring the possibility. There's tension in any part of the body. What happens when I tune in to the out-breath in particular? And that release and letting go and relaxation that comes with the out-breath. We're not trying to force experience to be different. We're just exploring If there's tension anywhere, what happens to that experience? When I tune into the out-breath, natural experience of letting go in the out-breath. Playing with the breath, attending to experience. Interested. And how the breathing affects experience.
a real encouragement to kind of play with this practice through the day. And like I said, it can be, for many of us, a little bit or a lot different to what we're used to doing with the breath. Just really kind of seeing how, how does this unfold, this interest in the breathe, breathing process. And a way of exploring a way of breathing that brings more sense of ease can even be pleasant and tuning into the pleasant and really important to say you know when I say pleasant uh, usually for most of us you know that we immediately jump to the end of the of the spectrum that this needs to feel really really good you know but actually one of the things that we do with practice is we become aware of much more subtlety so it can just feel okay yeah it just feel kind of nice yeah or good enough and we tune into that. And we tune into that and we see how that can also change. There's a lot of a lot of, of possibility there. So this would be our that's our um, encouragement or invitation for the practice today um, in the in the still postures what we call the still postures, the sitting, um, standing, that, um, that you can do here in the hall. Um, I think there may be some people who, for um, health reasons, will need to do a little bit of lying down. If that's the case for you, if you can just leave us a note. Um, and we can include the lying down also as one of the still postures. Postures of stillness. And then there's also the the movement, the practice meditation in movement, traditionally called walking meditation. But we can expand it a little bit. So a bit about walking practice, and I think it feels like we're kind of in the depth of winter. I think in the depth of winter we need to give I need to give an extra plug for walking. Yeah. It's such a beautiful practice. Yeah. And so uh, with the walking practice, I'll give two possibilities with that. Uh, one <coughs> is the kind of more traditional and one is, is a little bit more um, innovative. With the traditional practice, real encouragement, we have a walking room here, as I think everyone knows, um, which you're very, very welcome to use. Um, or if it's full, you can also use some of the corridors in the Denbury and Garden Wings. Um, but if it's possible to put on layers, especially today, it's not raining, and do some walking practice outside, I would really, really encourage you to do that at least some of the time. Um, especially on the first days of the retreat when there's still a lot of, en- a lot of tiredness. Um, being outdoors can really, really bring, um, bring energy and you know, bring some vigor into the system. And, uh, we're doing a vigil here, uh, all-night vigil a few weeks ago, and uh, it was wonderful to, to go out 
and really appreciate you know doing walking practice out in the dark in the night and really appreciate the energy that that brings you know the coolness of the air and the movement of the body bring energy so with the with the walking practice the emphasis on the um, object of meditation being the contact of the feet with the ground with the earth with the floor and primarily today noticing the beauty of that yeah so it can be the beauty of your um, environment yeah so when you get to the end of your walking path and you can just open up a little bit before you turn around and walk in the other direction just notice beauty and also the beauty in the movement of the body yeah it's such a incredibly precious thing I hope I'm not being too soppy today uh, but it's such an incredible incredibly precious thing you know the movement of the body and sometimes really just paying attention to very simple movements that we do all the time like something like taking a step how many steps have we taken in our lives and how many steps have we actually been aware of so here's an opportunity to feel that most of us it's helpful to walk um, a little bit slower than or a lot slower than we normally would as we do the walking practice helps to um, bring the attention into the body and again if you're walking outside just find the balance yeah between that and keeping the body warm um, and seeing what works for you so Walking more slowly, having a, a kind of a set path also really helps. Yeah, if you choose, okay, this is f- these five meters, these ten meters, that's going to be my path, just like I have my seat in the hall and I have my walking path outside for this period. And just walking back and forth, <coughs> back and forth, attention on the feet and the contact of the ground, and opening to beauty. Yeah, opening to beauty. Um, if you resonated with the practice of the kind of bigger body awareness then you can also include that in the walking or standing that you do it can be very very helpful and powerful um, as a as a way of practicing yeah and for some of us again it can be for physical reasons um, that walking may not be actually very appropriate for us there may be a lot of pain or lack of balance or um, things like that Um, or you just want to try something a little bit different so we can also just explore the body moving in a in a less um, formal way so it can be sitting you know somewhere outdoors or in the lounge and just moving your hand yeah or moving your hand your head and being attentive to that movement as you do that we're interested in the movement of the body as the object of our of our meditation so also opening to that as a possibility and yeah really really emphasize the beauty and value of this practice we often find that a lot of insight comes in the walking actually there's something about that and the flow, the continuity from sitting to walking um, to sitting.
and also to noticing the, the difference between a practice that feels more individual um, to a practice where we have more support here in the hall and to, to feel that, that difference between the two. Um, my personal tip, top tip of the day for walking practice is um, if you know you tend to like having a hot drink, then go make one at the beginning of the practice and take it with you. Yeah. So that it's not doesn't become the pull that pulls us away from the walking, but rather something that's there to support us. So a cup of tea, warm layers if you're up to it, or walking room, and just have it there. And in a few minutes, it'll be just the right temperature to enjoy. You can stop and include that in the practice and then go back to the flow of the walking. 